Lights, camera, action. Hey, everybody. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Married to Movies. Um, today we are going to be covering an animated movie. This is our first animated movie. Yes. And it is Wally, one of John and I's favorite Disney movies. Absolutely. One of my favorite movies. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and start us off with some intro- introductory details. Um, these will, even though it's an animated movie, our introductory details will be pretty similar to our other podcasts. Yeah. It. I don't know. This this podcast episode's probably going to be a little bit different. Um just since it is an animated movie, there's certain like casting details that they're not available for stuff like this. Right. <laughs> but uh so this might be a shorter episode, but we're really excited to cover this. Yes. So Wally was released June 27th of 2008. It was directed by Andrew Stanton. Um this so the starring is going to be a little bit different because it's not necessarily people on the screen but just the voice actors well and even more so for this movie specifically because there's little to no dialogue in this movie right yes. so even though there are voice actors that like there really aren't correct yeah so the voice of wally as well as the noises wally makes would be by Ben Burt, and then Eve is voiced by Alyssa Knight, and then the captain of the ship, which I'm blanking on the name of the ship. The Axiom. Yes, the Axiom is by Jeff Garland. Yeah, and he's really honestly one of the only voice actors in the movie that actually has a speaking role. Right. Outside of um like the the male and female passenger on the on the Axiom. John and Mary. Yes. yes. And John is voiced by the one Pixar employee who cameos in every Pixar movie. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Um but uh I lost my train of thought. What was I gonna say? Uh, oh talking about Yes, yes. Yeah. Um I remember so the one other one that I thought was like an interesting voice actor that I would have never guessed. Um, the computer voice that comes over the axiom, you know, where mm-hmm. it says like, oh, uh, breakfast in a cup and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And rogue robots. Yes. That is voiced by Sigourney Weaver, who I'm sure you probably don't know who she is, but she's like a major Hollywood star. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so the distributor was Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. Runtime for this movie was one hour and 31 minutes. It is G-rated. Budget was $180 million. And box office total was $532.5 million. Yes. And I, I did discover that when this movie came out, um, its opening weekend was the largest ever for any Pixar movie up to that point. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And it actually finished as, um, because this movie was released in 2008. Yes. It finished as, like, I think I read it was top eight or top nine uh, total for the year, which is pretty impressive when you think about, like, Iron Man came out that year and there were several several other, uh, The Dark Knight. There were multiple mm-hmm. big hitters that year and Wally was in the top ten. Yeah. Well, it was well-deserved. Yes, I agree. Um, so I really only have a few fun facts for this movie, um, just because it was animated and there's not quite as much online. 
Um, but I'll go ahead and run through those now. So the first one was that in the movie originally, um, like, well, in the movie that you see on the screen, humans had developed into overweight people who had developed like bone loss over time just Mm -hmm. because, I mean, it had been 700 years since they had been on Earth. So obviously like the effects of zero gravity had clearly had an effect. And then also the fact that they just sit all day. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the early stages of the movie production, they actually had originally wanted humans to just be blobs, basically like boneless, legless, translucent, gelatinous, like just blobs, which I don't know how I would have felt about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think the original concept was that they had in the 700 years basically devolved into nothing like jello <laughs> yeah like literally well they were called they referred to them as gels i think right something like that yeah. yeah yeah so um i'm glad that they went in the opposite direction because yeah. i don't know how well that would have come across i mean i'm sure they probably would have made it work somehow but um they later decided on the quote-unquote giant baby concept which is mm-hmm. what i read up on but yeah yeah well, and the director, Andrew Stanton, I had read that he said, like, when they were originally, like, working on the idea of the gels, he had essentially said that they felt like it was too much of, like, a concept that didn't really contribute to the primary story and that it wouldn't come across to audiences in, like, a, a beneficial way. So they just scrapped it. I think I had also read up that... um They originally were not even going to reveal that they were humans until the end because these blobs would look so like almost alien like that people who were watching the movie would probably just see, oh, it's a ship in outer space. It must be aliens. And then at the end, they were going to reveal, oh, they actually were from Earth, but they just had been in space for so long that they developed into this nasty thing. Yeah. (laughs) So. But yeah, I I agree 100%. I am super glad that they chose to not do that. Right. Me too. Yeah. So next fun fact. So Alyssa Knight, which is the woman who voiced Eve, um, she actually was just, she just recorded her voice for the animation team to work with, like while they were still working through casting um, because she was just an employee at Pixar. But they just loved her performance so much that they kept it in and didn't continue looking for somebody to voice Eve. Oh, that's cool. That's uh, like Phyllis on The Office. Uh, yes. Yeah, she got <laughs> cast because she was just a stand-in like line reader and right. they liked her so much that they cast her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then last one, Ben Burt, who is the voice of Wally, is actually, um, I don't know if you know this, or you probably do. Um, Maybe. He, he voices R2-D2 in some of the Star Wars movies. Oh, I did not know that. I well, did see... Oh, God. Like, it was kind of confusing when I was looking it up, but um, he does, like, just some of, like, the noises that he makes and things, but it depends on which movie it is, and yeah. there were so many people that, like, worked in R2-D2 and that kind of thing, right. so, yeah. Well, I also saw that he is a... um a sound designer so like 
he did do like voice parts that the, he then edited to sound like a robot and everything, but he's also just like a sound engineer and he created sounds for R2. I did see yes. that he worked on Star Wars, but yeah. I didn't know that he did voice parts. Yeah, and it also said something, I didn't write this down, so I don't remember the exact number, but it was like a record-breaking amount of sounds that he had recorded for Wally. Yeah, I I saw it too, and I didn't write it down. Um, but it was I saw like twenty five hundred a few times. Yeah, under I think that was sound. It. Yes, but yeah. So I also have some Easter eggs. Um, do you want me to go through those now? Sure. Well, okay. I'll, I'll throw one fun fact in there. Yeah, go for which it. Which this isn't really even a fun fact, but it kind of is. Um, so Jeff Garland, the voice of the captain in the movie, I I never knew this. I mean, I can see it now, but I truth be told, did not know who Jeff Garland was. Like, I knew who he was, but I didn't know him by name. Um, but he plays um, one of the other dads in Daddy Daycare. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, he has a very distinguishable voice. Yes, yeah, he's uh, not Marvin and not Eddie Murphy, but the, the other guy. Mm-hmm. He's hilarious, also in The Goldbergs. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was funny. I didn't know that until we started researching for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so Easter eggs, I'm only going to name a few because there are many in this movie as well as really any Pixar Disney movie. They seem to always throw fun ones in there. Mm -hmm. But one of them is kind of toward the beginning of the movie. There is a truck outside. Um, well, I guess it's Wally's truck, but you can see Ham the pig from Toy Story, Mm -hmm. Rex the dinosaur from Toy Story. And Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc. Oh, really? All, yes. All of those are in Wally's truck that he lives in. And okay. then another one is um, the Pizza Planet car that is in like one of the trash heaps out there. Yes. Yeah, I did. I knew about Pizza Planet and I knew Cam and Rex. I did not know that Mike Wazowski was in there, though. Yes. Oh, that's cool. That is all I've got. For Easter eggs? Yes. Okay. There are more, but I just only wrote, wrote down a few that I saw. Oh, okay. Well, like, well, I guess we'll have to keep our eyes peeled because I'm interested about how many there are. Did you see more while you were researching? I did. There is one that I, it's like, it's in every Pixar movie. Um, They just have the same, like, number written or something. It's like oh, A113 like or something. Yeah. Um, I can't remember where it was at, but that was another one and there were more too, but I can't remember them. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. Well, we can, uh, jump into some production details then. Um, again, this is an animated movie, so going to be very different from what we normally talk about. Um, but yeah, let's just jump right in. So... Originally, the concept for Wally, um, we said this was released in 2008, correct? Yes. Okay. So the original concept for Wally uh, came in 1994. Um, Andrew Stanton, along, who's the director of the movie, along with a couple other uh, Pixar executives and creatives and whatnot, they were at a lunch. Um, they, had, they were just about to finish Toy Story. And they were coming up with ideas for their next project. So um, A Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo. They were working on all those concepts at that lunch. Um, And Stanton said, 
What if mankind had to leave Earth and somebody forgot to turn off the last robot? And so that's kind of where this originated. He actually ended up at that lunch, like making a drawing of Wally on a napkin. And like I said, it was in 1994. He ended up just kind of holding on to it for a while, kicking around the idea. It really, like, he loved the idea, um, but it really never materialized for a long time. Um, but they did start working on uh, just kind of like preliminary ideas um, in 95. Um, they started calling the movie tentatively. This was never like a, like a possible final uh, title, but a working title they called Trash Planet. Um, for a handful of months while they started uh, pre-production. And uh, they worked with, um, oh, I, uh, Pete Doctor, that's his name, worked with Pete Doctor, um, who was directing Monsters, Inc. at the time to kind of help materialize the idea into a full film. Um, so as they began work on the concept of the final robot on Earth, um, that humans were no longer there. Um, they came up with a bunch of storyboards and went and pitched the idea to John Laster, who was at the time uh, one of the CEOs or heads of Pixar, and Steve Jobs, who, if you don't know this already, fun fact about Pixar, uh, Steve Jobs is one of the founders of Pixar. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, Pixar would not exist if it was not for Steve Jobs. Um, also, fun fact about Pixar, Pixar would not exist if it weren't for George Lucas at Industrial Lights and Magic. Um, as we talked about in our last episode, which if you haven't listened to already, go check it out. Our last episode was Jurassic Park versus Jurassic World. Um, George Lucas pioneered, well, not George Lucas himself, but Industrial Lights and Magic pioneered CGI in the film industry. Did not exist on a commercial level um, in the form that we know today until they started work on Jurassic Park. Um, one of the computer artists at CG or at ILM um, went on to become the guy who started developing all the technology for Pixar. And again, I cannot remember his name, but I mentioned this in the last episode as well. Um, Disney Plus has a phenomenal documentary about industrial lights and magic if you're into that kind of stuff. And they spend some time talking very specifically about that. So um, the guy who developed all the um, technology for the CGI to be capable of making Pixar cartoons and stuff like that, um, George, just, George Lucas was not really interested. So he ended up um, selling the tech to Steve Jobs. And so that's how um, kind of it developed at Apple and everything, because Steve loved the idea. So. Anyways, but um, so Stanton pitched the idea. Uh, he got a story reel together of the first 20 minutes of the movie, went to Lassiter and Jobs, and uh, they were blown away. They loved it, except Jobs did not like the original title, um, which was Wally, but it only had one L. He said it looked weird. So, whale. The, yeah, <laughs> whale. <laughs> so they added another L. Um, then, let's see, I'm skipping forward a little bit. Um, they began working on creating this ruined world. They knew that it was going to be, um, not quite post-apocalyptic, but it had to be in like a ruined state, so to speak. If mankind was no longer there, that they had to leave, that it was going to be, um, kind of in disarray. So 
to get inspiration for how they were going to um, start developing what the world looked like, the artists at Pixar went over to Chernobyl and they spent time studying uh, just kind of what that all looked like, which you know what Chernobyl is, right? I don't. Oh my gosh. Your high school (laughs) education failed you. (laughs) Chernobyl was a nuclear reactor uh, facility or site over in Russia that uh, had like a total meltdown. Okay, it's ringing a bell now. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a major disaster. Like when it happened, I don't remember what era it was. It might have been the 70s. Um, But like helicopters were just coming in and dumping loads of like concrete on top of it. Just, I mean, it was a total like disaster, total nuclear meltdown. But anyways, so the artists went over to Chernobyl and kind of studied just what ruins looked like. Um, They didn't want it to be something that um, looked like it was like a zombie apocalypse or something like that, you know, because a lot of post-apocalyptic type worlds are kind of set in that that world. They wanted it to be something where um, the world just could no longer function. So that's a real world uh, place where really you can't do anything. So anyways, um, so that's where they got the inspiration for the background world. Then um, for the Axiom, the ship that the humans are on in space, uh, they got inspiration from the original sketches that NASA made for Walt Disney himself in the 1960s. Um, NASA produced concept art for Tomorrowland. Yeah, so the Tomorrowland that was made um, back in the original Disney World is not what uh, NASA had envisioned or, like, the sketches that they gave them. And the Tomorrowland that we know today definitely is, like, super far away from that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was very, like, very, very futuristic, jetpack, sleek, chrome, you know, stuff like that. Um, So they, they... got out the archives and looked at those sketches uh, from NASA, and that's where they got all their inspiration for the Axiom. So as the movie began to take shape and was uh, developing, they started working on storyboards. Now, how... Okay, so I'll say this. Wally had an incredible amount of storyboards, um, and I would attribute that to the fact that this is like very much a visual-heavy movie. Um, so a normal movie is in the tens of thousands for storyboards. How many would you guess Wally had? Mm, hundred thousand. One hundred and twenty-five thousand. Wow, I was close. Yes, you were very close. Um, so yeah, Wally had a hundred and twenty-five thousand, um, storyboards to be able to produce the movie, tell the story. And a lot of that goes to the fact that there's not a lot of dialogue in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they really wanted the focal point of the movie to be on this one robot, Wally. Um, and they didn't want him to be somebody who communicated a lot. They wanted him to be expressive, almost like a child or a toddler who had, you know, you know what a toddler is communicating as they like maybe have like a, an aggressive a grunt or like a cute little coo or or something like that. That's what they took inspiration from for Wally. They wanted him to resemble 
a toddler, not in terms of his intelligence, but his ability to vocally communicate. <laughs> and so um, what they ended up doing, um, because you can't like, you have to be able to convey story, right? Right. And so most, if not all, <laughs> modern movies rely heavily on dialogue, um, sometimes to a fault. We talked about this and I think Iron Man maybe, but just how exposition can be a major criticism of movies today where people just tell you too much information as opposed to showing it to you. Um, the modern movie industry has become overly reliant on dialogue. So they knew that they weren't going to do that for Wally. So what they chose to do and how they kind of retrain their brains um, to get in this idea of visual storytelling they studied Charlie Chaplin um, for over a year, which you know who Charlie Chaplin is, right? Yeah, and yeah. I actually did read up on this too. I don't want to steal your thunder. So no, I'll let no, you... no, go for it. Okay. The only thing that I was going to add was that they ended up watching, managing to find and watch every single Charlie Chaplin movie there is. I, okay, that's awesome. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. um, what I had read was that they studied Charlie Chaplin in his film um, for over a year that they just really focused in on how to convey story through expression as opposed to dialogue. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought that was super cool. And those of you who don't know, Charlie Chaplin was like, like a very famous actor, but it was back when movies were completely silent. There was no dialogue. There was no sound at all. Yeah, so it, it was, was, they relied heavily on expression and, showing yeah. things since they physically could not talk yeah it was back in the area era of silent film before sound design had a, even like the technology had even been developed to record sound right um here let, let's see i uh i'll look it up real quick i think charlie chaplin's movies were like in the i want to say i don't know anywhere from the 40s 20s to 40s um, I don't know. Uh, I can look yeah, it up while you're talking. Here it is. Okay, yeah. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 1921, The Kid was one of his earliest movies. So yeah, he was all the way from the 20s to the 50s, it looks like. So I was right. But uh, okay, cool. So I only have one more thing on production, which I really wanted to include this because I did not realize that this was um, inspiration for the film. Um, so I think it goes without saying that if you watch this movie, that it's definitely not an agenda-heavy movie. Like, they're, they're not pushing a specific movement or agenda, even though at times this movie has been criticized for hypocrisy in terms of, like, environmental waste and everything, um, which that's, like, a total different discussion than what we're talking about and what I want to talk about. Um, but. You could say that like it pushes like anti-consumerism and, you know, nature and all this stuff, um, which actually isn't the focus of the movie. And Andrew Stanton has a lot of uh, public statements about what the goal was and everything. But um, what I did not know was that Andrew Stanton is a Christian and that he took a lot of inspiration from the Bible in telling the story, which I thought was super, super cool. Um, so one of the most obvious ones is that um, you know, you have Wally, but then the other main character is Eve. 
Um, so Eve, obviously being named after Eve um, from the book of Genesis, you have Adam and Eve. Um, but it goes a little bit deeper than that. So first, you have Wally on Earth, and that's pretty much who we know for the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. He's just there by himself with the exception of his cockroach. Um, I'm starting co- to connect dots in my brain of yes. what I think you're going to say. Yeah. So um, in the Bible, uh, God saw that it was not good for Adam to be alone. So he gave Adam Eve, um, you know, to be his helper and so that he was not lonely. And so that's initially where the inspiration came from for the name was that it, Wally was the only robot left on Earth. So, you know, he knew that that was going to be a, a story point in the movie, that it was going to be progression for the film, that Wally would be lonely. And so it was not good for him to be lonely. So they gave him Eve. So that was super cool. Then you have um, one of the major, if not like the main uh, primary uh, plot point in the movie, which is that you find or Eve finds uh, the plant. Mm -hmm. I guess technically Wally found it first. Um, But Wally finds the plant in the boot and he has it in his truck. And then, you know, after spending time together, Wally shows it to her. And, uh, you know, she gets that like green leaf on her chest and, mm-hmm. uh, she goes into like directive mode and, uh, she's got to get back to the axiom. So that is kind of resembling, um, the dove and bringing back the olive branch to Noah's Ark, being able to tell them that, Hey, it's safe to return to earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the book of Genesis, Noah's Ark, uh, the world is flooded and, uh, they don't know that it's safe to exit the ark until God sends a dove with an olive branch so they know that there's dry land again. So this is kind of uh, paralleling that a little bit more. And then one of the final ones, and one of the one of the ones that I think hits the hardest and I think is really, really super cool, is that um, Wally is a worker. So the idea... And the inspiration for Wally is um, you kind of have Wally, who's this guy who's constantly working. That's his primary function is to just go and gather trash. He goes to sleep and he, he keeps doing that every single day. You contrast that with humanity, who has been on the Axiom in space for 700 years, and they're a big pile of lard. Like <laughs> they, they do nothing. Um, and you see on all the cl- like the promotional clips, which is super brilliant how they convey story through like Wally uh, driving around and then like a, a by and large promotional clip will play about like uh, the Axiom and how great it is and everything. It's being pumped up as this thing like uh, that's for pleasure, right? Like you can relax, you don't have to do anything and all this stuff. Well, what that led to is the complete de-evolution of humankind where they're they have no drive or motivation to do anything they're they can't be bothered to physically interact with another person like somebody that's literally sitting next to them they can't even talk to them they have to have a screen in front of them where they're essentially facetiming people mind you facetime wasn't even a thing or even skype back at this time Mm -hmm. um but they can't be bothered to have a physical interaction with anybody they 
can't even change their clothes. When the blue clothes are announced, their color just like digitally changes on their body. Mm -hmm. The food is brought right to them in their chair. Um, So the point, the contrast is that um, society in general would often say that, um, you know, laziness and pleasure is paradise. Whereas Wally is showing that that's not true. We were created to work and that there can be rewards in working. So Wally is a hard worker. His primary directive is to go and clean up the trash to care for the earth. And he did that. And what happened? Well, life grew. You know, a a leaf or a plant, whatever, was able to um, be sustained because Wally carried out the job that was given to him. So there's a stewardship there um, where you can not only learn to appreciate creation in the sense that um, if you don't do your job, if you don't care for these things, that it's not going to be able to happen. That's why humankind had to leave the earth because they were so lazy and consumer driven and, you know, whatever, that uh, it wasn't a safe environment. But then you have Wally who got his hands dirty and took care of the trash and uh, made a way for this uh, this life, the plant, to be able to be sustained. Hmm, that's super cool. Yeah, I thought that was really awesome. And I honestly had no idea that that was even a part of it, but uh, I thought that was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I have for production details. Um, so let's jump into how would you rate this movie? On a scale of 1 to 100, how would you rate it? So I've been thinking about this because it's kind of hard since because I don't want to look at it like in the same light as like live action movies or movies with real actors on screen. So given that it's an animated movie, I'd probably give it like a 90 maybe. Okay. Wow. You're kind of low for what I was thinking. I'm going to give it a 95. Yeah, it it is very very good. Honestly, I I think I could give it higher than that purely because um you have your pros and cons with every single movie. I don't know that I have one single thing that I can point to that I do not like about this movie. Yeah, that's true. I don't know that I have any conflicts either. Should yeah. I go to a 100 then? Uh, I mean, it, that, it's your score. <laughs> no, I, if you want to, you can. I, the reason I wouldn't give it 100 is just because, um, not that there's any fault with it, but uh, uh, the payoff for it to be 100 in my mind ha- has to be like epic. Like mind-blowing. Yeah, and uh, that's not like a knock on this movie at all because um, it's a phenomenal movie, but I don't think that it's necessarily mind-blowing. Yeah, okay. I would agree with that. Yeah. But that's the only reason that I wouldn't score it any higher than that. It, like 95, 96 is just because it's a phenomenal movie. I don't have any critiques, complaints, anything like that with the movie entirely. But um, I don't feel like it's a mind-boggling, life-changing movie, so to speak. Right. So... We, John and I were kind of talking and we're, we're thinking we're going to not go through each movie like scene by scene anymore, just because chances are if you have 
if you're listening to this, you most likely have seen the movie or are going to watch it, hopefully. So um, we don't want to go through it beat by beat, but we're going to kind of just talk about like just things that we like and things that we didn't like, which I, like we just said, don't have anything that I don't like about the movie. So we can kind of just talk about things that we really enjoyed. Yeah. Go ahead. You take the lead. Okay. Um, so the first one that I love is just like the references to Hello Dolly throughout the movie. Like the like the opening of the movie is like one of the songs from Hello Dolly and it's yeah. like one of my favorite songs from that play or mm-hmm. musical. And um then also just like the different like clips and things and I just really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. I agree. I uh I think it's cool that that's included in the movie. Um, I think, well, I did read on this a little bit, but the goal with some of the inclusion there was to kind of remind the audience of like a simpler time in humankind's history uh, versus like the stark contrast of where things are in that time period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And then another thing that I liked was um i love the robot mo um at the beginning oh, the cleaning robot yes yeah yeah sorry i should clarify it's the <laughs> no, one no that, you're, you're fine the one that cleans up after wally constantly and like he's following his tracks around basically the entirety of the scenes on the axiom yeah um but like just from the get-go like when i love the little interaction between him and wally when wally first comes on the ship and like he's discovering Wally is discovering that Mo will clean up anything that he does. So he like kind of just puts his foot out a little bit or his wheel out a little bit to his tread, his tread. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> to see if Mo will clean it up and sure enough he does. And then I like, like totally burst out laughing when Wally just did it straight to his face. Yes. That cracks me up. He, especially, Again, I think this just goes back to the fact that they they did their diligence and took their time learning how to convey emotion through performance as opposed to dialogue. Especially because, like, they don't have, like, faces either. Like, they just have eyes True. and that's it. So True. they, I mean, they don't even have, like, facial expressions to work with. But you can tell when Wally does that, that he's, like, there's, like, some orneriness in him you know right. like it's intentional it's not like it there's uh i don't even know what the right word would be but you can tell that not only is it intentional but that like he kind of thinks it's funny and you know whatnot but without doing any sort of dialogue right yeah it's phenomenal yeah and then i also love that like because there's almost like a uh like a well there is a tension between him and Wally throughout most of the movie because of that um like Mo is the cleaning robot and Wally is disgusting just from being on earth and cleaning mm-hmm. but i like that how at the end like Mo kind of joins their little team and you know um kind of helps them at well, the end well Mo actually saves Wally's life yeah that's true cuz when Wally gets smashed uh by uh what's his name Otto the the mm-hmm. wheel mm-hmm. yeah when uh Otto like attacks Wally and he gets hurt really bad um and is he's in the giant trash compactor and like space 
shoot, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And they need the plant to open it back up. Well, no. Oh, then I'm I mean, they have a different part. <laughs> they need to get the plant, but um, this is this is, I think, before what you're talking about. Oh, okay. This okay. is like with those giant Wallies. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So this is so Wally gets like stuck in the trash, and Eve is trying to get him out, but the space uh shoot like opens up, and he's going into space. But because Mo was following his tracks, he closes the door. Mm-hmm. Or he, sorry, he keeps he gets stuck in the he door. He gets stuck in the door trying to clean up Wally's treads and keeps him from going into space. Yes. The yeah. part that I'm thinking of, and maybe I have it wrong, but when there's another time where Wally is getting smashed and yes. it's where they need to put the boot with the plant in the whatever thing that's smashing Wally in order yeah. for it to come back up. But isn't it is it Mo that gives the plant to Eve to put in it? Yes, you're right. Okay, okay, yep. that's what I was thinking of yeah. before. Okay, yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess he kind of does save Wally's life twice. Yeah, because he keeps him from getting smashed further that time too. Right. Yeah. Um. And then another like it's not necessarily a part of the movie. It's just like he does it a few times throughout the movie. I just love his eyes when he moves them up and down. Yeah, And that actually, I guess this is another fun fact that I didn't really include, but when I was reading up the, um, I can't remember who came up with the idea for Wally, like the character, was it Andrew Stanton? Uh, yes. Okay. So he actually got that idea of like Wally's eyes from a pair of binoculars at a baseball game. Yes. So he, um, was at a baseball game. Somebody gave him a pair of binoculars. And the entire game, he wasn't even paying attention to the baseball game. He was just looking at these binoculars in his hand and rotating them up and down and just like kind of moving them around. And that's where he got the idea for Wally's eyes to move up and down like that. Yeah, I did see that. I thought that was cool, too. Yeah. Um, and then the last part that I just really appreciated, like, I mean, just the whole plot line, I think, was very eye opening um, for a multiple multitude of reasons um one of them being i mean just like like you know you'll drive around and you'll see the landfills and things and it's like and i mean i'm sure it's crossed many people's minds you know like like we're just gonna keep accumulating more trash you know there's there's nowhere else for it to go it's gonna just keep piling and piling and piling so yeah it's just like very eye-opening to see like we do need to take care of the planet and we do need to be careful you know yeah um recycle and that kind of thing (laughs) but um also just um like one thing that was eye-opening for me as well like when it first like cuts to the axiom for the first time and you see all of these like large people sitting and on a screen and nothing else you know as technology continues to develop nowadays and like we're I mean, I'm guilty of sitting on my phone for like way longer than I should. And, you know, it's just like convicting and eye opening just to see like, oh, I don't want to do that, though. Like when I see those people just sitting and staring and like not interacting, no, you know, and then like when they finally like I think Mary is the first one who her screen gets cut off and yeah, Wally breaks it. Yeah. And like she's like whoa like we have a pool you know and like yeah that's, I, can, I forgot about that and yeah. i can talk to people like face to face and like wow this is so awesome like i would 
hate for things to end up that way. Hopefully they never do get to that extreme. But, you know, like, yeah, just like with phones and laptops and like video games and things like it's it's where it's the direction we're heading, it seems. Well, and on that note, too, another thing that Andrew Stanton had kind of incorporated into the movie, um, like people have tried to say it's an anti-consumerism movie and stuff, which he's debunked and said that that's not true. But the whole idea of by and large being like this major corporation that controls a lot, um, like even as far as uh, like when those babies are, it's a really quick scene when you are first introduced to the axiom, but the babies are being taught their ABCs. They're taught that B is for by and large. Mm -hmm. And the idea there was just uh, for like a false God, like something that is distracting you. Um, taking your eyes off of what you should be focused on and uh, just how far that can be when you become consumed with stuff like that. Um, So that was just another cool thing that he incorporated from Christianity into the movie. Um, But um, I think what you said is super true and it is important. I think, unfortunately too often especially stuff concerning like you know earth day and like nature and stuff like that like too often politics get involved in that stuff and we are just like because of the internet and everything like we are in such a hyper connective uh society where everybody's triggered about everything and you have to have a flag planted on a certain hill and if you don't like you're gonna die on that hill and all this stuff but um, you know, don't spend time getting dug into those things and getting focused. Bare bones reality is that the first job that God ever gave to man was to tend to the earth and everything in it, all its creatures. Um, that was a job given to Adam by God. So this is not a bad thing, you know. Right. It's not a, not a bad thing to want to take care of the earth and anything beyond that like is a different discussion. Um, and then to just like society and where we're at, uh, just the idea that it is so common for most kids and a lot of adults too, to just, if they have free time, they're glued to their phone. And especially it makes me sad seeing kids nowadays, like, and I know I did the same thing when I was their age and I'm still guilty of doing it today. Um, but just like for literally sitting for hours, just you know, like TikTok is the big thing right now. Mm-hmm. I, that is just like a black hole and you can just get sucked into that for hours and hours and hours. And not only is it terrible for your brain, like it literally studies have shown that that contributes to brain rot. Um, but it also, uh, you know, has physical effects on your body, like not being able to have an attention span and you become dependent on the technology for X, Y, Z and whatever. And so. That's another discussion too, and that's not the goal of what we're doing here, but it is a helpful reminder to just like be conscious about how you're spending your time. Be careful because one day uh, before you know it, we might all just be floating on a hover chair um, with our sides spilling off the chair because we're so big (laughs) and uh, we're physically unable to communicate with one another. So what I've been doing, I've just been putting like uh, screen time limiters on my phone for social media just to try and 
not be wasting my time like that because you're only given so much time in life and I don't want hours and hours every single day spent on that, you know? Mm-hmm. That's honestly actually part of the reason why we started the podcast. Right. Was just because we wanted to do something productive with our free time and it's a way for us to enjoy each other doing something different. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we're talking <laughs> about... tangent, but... <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Wally. So... <laughs> um. As far as what I liked uh, in this movie, there's, well, like I already said, there's nothing that I dislike. So I like pretty much everything. But I think one of the things I love is that uh, when Wally is introduced to Eve, that he's kind of like a hopeless romantic. And, you know, you have the whole sequence with uh, La Vie en Rose playing mm-hmm. and... Uh, it's just like a really sweet moment and that like once she goes into her, I don't know what you call it, like her directive mode, once she gets the plant, like Wally's still taking care of her and like trying to spend time with her and interact with her, even though she can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, really sweet. And the comedy in this movie is just super good, especially because it's visual comedy. It's not dialogue driven. Um, one thing I really appreciate is the captain, um, who's voiced by Jeff Garland. Uh, one thing uh, Andrew Stanton said when he was making the movie was that he wanted to show, again, like the just complete downfall of humanity as they've been in space for 700 years, totally dependent on technology and everything. So originally, like people had wanted the captain to be like this... Uh, idiot essentially like he just a dumb guy Mm -hmm. um but stanton said no i i don't want him to be just an idiot the problems that arise from him should be because of the fact that he's been unchallenged yeah um that you know he's never had to deal with any sort of uh struggle in any capacity and because of that that's why he he struggles or is unintelligent or anything, not because he's just stupid. And I, I feel like that's kind of a, a shtick that is overplayed in a lot of movies, that people that are in positions of leadership are just portrayed as idiots. Yeah. And I don't like that. Um, not to say that you can't have that, but it just, it seems like overdone. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, as far as other things that I liked, I don't know. Uh, I think the visuals in the movie are incredible. Super beautiful movie, especially when Wally first gets into space when they're going by all the planets and um, like when I think they're going like across one of the rings of like a planet and Wally puts his arm up and is like kind of touching the dust of the ring, I guess you'd call it, but just interacting with all that color. Such a gorgeous movie. And I think the movie overall, at least for me, I kind of view it as like a cathartic experience like it's just very relaxing and um very entertaining obviously but it's there's not too much going on you know it's a story driven movie it's a great story and uh i don't feel like i'm being bogged down with an agenda and i don't feel like um i'm having to keep up with too much Mm-hmm. it's just a simple story and at the heart of it it's just got great characters yeah for sure yeah okay well is there anything else you want to touch on 
I don't think so. Okay, cool. Well, that's all we got for this week, guys. Thank you so much for joining us and listening. Um, hard to believe that we're already four episodes down now, but we will uh, keep chugging along. It's been such a fun experience. We've got episode five coming out next week, which we are going to be covering the Hunger Games, right? Correct. Yep. So that's Emily's pick. Um, we are going to be doing the first one, not Catching Fire, right? right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Because I know... Those were two that were on your list. You liked both of those. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, next week we'll be covering the first Hunger Games movie. So you can look forward to that one. Um, We encourage you guys to, if you like what you heard, give us a like on YouTube. Give us a comment. Um, We appreciate anything like that. It goes a long way. Just, you know, little things like that are a big encouragement to us. We do have social media. Uh, We've got Instagram and Facebook pages. If you're on either of those platforms, we'd appreciate a follow. Um, especially on Facebook, a like and follow on there would be huge. Um, in the coming weeks, we're going to be doing a giveaway. Um, I know I mentioned that last week and, um, it'll probably be another couple weeks or so before we have info on that. Cause Emily and I are going on vacation. Um, so we're super excited about that. However, there will not be any delays in the podcast. We've got stuff uh, recorded ahead of time, so we're all covered there, but, uh, you can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Um, if you enjoyed listening to us uh, we really would appreciate you sharing this with your friends Uh, we're trying to grow our audience as much as we can so uh, share on facebook share on instagram um, word of mouth all that stuff is great so we appreciate you guys we're looking forward to our next episode and uh, thanks for listening bye bye